right, and welcome to another episode of Tea Time with Mother and Crone. And again, this week, we're still working with my Linda, and I'm still praying that something, we're looking for a miracle, guys. Um, hopefully, she'll be back next week. But again, I am so privileged to have a wonderful co-host again with me, and he has given so selfishly of his time. Jason High Corral, welcome back again. I, I really miss when you're not here now. It's getting to be a, a friend conversation again. Yes. Well, thanks for having me. Oh, you're awesome. I'm so glad that you could step in. My daughter was going tonight, but she did catch COVID. She had the shot, but unfortunately she has ongoing issues with it. Uh, tinnitus, the ringing in the ears is one of the things that comes up with it. And unfortunately, she is with that, and she's like, I can't hear and I can't focus. So um, she would be like me then tonight, totally unfocused. Um, again, welcome to the show. This is our, of course, Samhain show. You can tell by my little bats here. Um, I am batty for bats. I absolutely adore them, and my friends all know how crazy I am, so I get lots of bats. But we're going to start off the show with our herb of the evening. Now, our herb this evening is yarrow. Um, Y-A-R-R-O-W, it is a wildflower, that's how it's classified, um, and if you live, I know up north, um, when hay fever starts, hay fever season starts, yarrow is in bloom. It is a relative of all the wonderful hay fever plants that are out there. So if you're going to ingest it, make sure you don't have hay fever, uh, this will just exasperate it. Um, but we use the top of the flower, we actually use the flower in order to make our teas and our infusions. Um, there's lots of good things about it. Jason, what do you know about yarrow root? Um, not much, actually, to be honest. I really don't know much about yarrow root. This is, I didn't... Yarrow is one of those things that needs lots of honey. Um, it is uh, very, very old. It's been used for centuries. It goes by a lot of silly side names. Um, and some of those names, you might understand what it is. Um, bloodwort, carpenter's weed, devil's nettle. Now, that's one I've heard. I understand that one. The rest of them, I'm not so sure about. Um, Nosebleed because of the hay fever thing. Yes. Oh, my goodness. And it was actually used as a, it's called wound wart. Wound like a, a, an injury, W-O-U-N-D, wart. And it was actually used during the Civil War for um, some of the soldiers. It was used to, to make a poultice for their wounds. Now you have to remember back then they didn't have all the good stuff we have today. Um, as far as magical purposes, it's a psychic. If you drink it, look. Scott is coming to join us again. He is here in spirit, if not in body. And I say that and look around to make sure he hasn't appeared anywhere. Um, oh my goodness. It is a, it's feminine. The planet is Venus. The element is water. Hmm. Um, it's courage, love, psychic powers, and exorcism. Now, when you look at a plant that you're going to use for any kind of psychic power, usually you want something that's going to protect you too. Because if you're you're going into psychic dreaming or you know psychic whatever trance, you want to make sure you're protected. So this does both. Um, when worn, it um, 
or held in the hand, it stops all fear and grants courage. Okay, and it oh, tells you. Landon enjoyed it, didn't he? Yeah, I, you know, and it says also, um, women carry it in their bridal bouquets. Well, right there is what you need is, you know, stop fear and grants courage when you're walking down that aisle. That is the longest aisle you'll ever walk down. Um, I'm not supposed to say things like that. Uh, it is. How many times have you been married? Twice. That was in 20 and 19 years. So I did my due diligence. Um, I paid for my, <laughs> my things. Um, they're saying that it's, um, if you make the tea, um, it's used to improve psychic powers. That being said, if you have hay fever or seasonal allergies, do not drink the tea unless you have an EpiPen close by. Um, trust or, me or, on that. Or, or Benadryl. Benadryl. Yeah, definitely. Um, it can be quite hazardous. Now, I was wondering if it had any medicinal qualities because a lot of things that we have around don't always have medicinal qualities to them. And that's just because you have to remember back in the day, if it worked, people used it. And the, we can tell you by honest fact, if you think it works for you, it is working for you because of the placebo effect. Um, that's why they do blind studies because some people are on a placebo and they want to believe it works and it works. So your body is capable a lot of times of healing itself if given a chance. Um, yarrow is, um, it was used for centuries in traditional medicine and it's also known as um, bloodwort. I've never heard that before. Um, it's called nosebleed. There you go, Jason, you, you were right on that one. Um, they're saying that it really don't have enough um, background for they've got tested enough, but they do know that in 2017, um, they did a little bit of testing on it. It's good for inflammation. The reason it's called wound wart is because it was used for application to wounds and it does help you as long as you're not allergic to it. So if you have hay fever and you put it on a wound, I will guarantee it will not help you. Um, digestive orders, um, anxiety. Now, a lot of this anxiety drugs, I think a lot of times it's more the tea that you're drinking rather than so much. It's the, the actual ritual of making the tea and drinking the tea. They've proven relieve stress. It will actually lower your blood pressure, just the simple act of making a pot of tea. So a lot of times you don't know what's in there. Um, they are saying it might have some moderate help with Parkinson's and multiple sclerosis. Stroke, so, stroke and epilepsy as well. Yeah, because I, I, they're all kind of like tied together, you know, I, one yeah. goes in with the other kind of thing. They're saying helping you sleep, it's a mild sedative. Um, again, contraindications, if you're taking something already to go to sleep, don't take this. Um, I love actually, this one. Actually, Be one of the, uh, I was looking, looked it up. It says it helps alleviate, alleviating hay fever. I think that that would be if when you, 
what do they do? They indoctrinate you so much with what you're allergic to till yes, you that, eventually get over it. Yeah, it's taking small do doses of poison and, you know, that never made sense to me, but. Well, it worked in The Princess Bride. Oh, there you go. And, and I can't tell prove you, you know. Yeah, we have to prove that it works. Um, <laughs> it, this one is speeding elimination of urine. Trust me, honey, at my age, that is exactly what I don't need, okay? Unless I'm going to wear my diaper to work. Um, increased urination, so there's where you get your anti-inflammatory. Mm -hmm. um, I caution anybody that is taking medication before you go into any herbals, and I say this with all due respect, you may know what you're doing, but you've got to check those contraindications. Um, if this is a blood thinner, um, it slows clotting. So if you're already on Coumadin or one of the commercial or even aspirin. If you're just still take, just taking an aspirin a day, that's what your doctor is suggesting. It, that's a blood thinner. And please be careful. Um, I'm, always I'm always really talk busy. to your doctor, even on the herbs you're taking, because a lot of them might roll their eyes at you. Some will not, but some will. But they do know some of the interaction. Yeah. Educate your doctor on what you're taking. Yeah. They're, they're always learning. Doctors are continually learning stuff. And if you walk in and legitimately... That's why they're always say, practicing. Oh, yes, it's practice. <laughs> and that's why medicine is still an art. Yes. Um, but if you're taking, if you want to do herbal supplements, and I say this because I used to do herbal supplements with patients with a cardiologist. So I know what I'm talking about when I'm saying you have to know every medication you're on, what all the conditions are. Then sit down and talk with your doctor and say, well, instead of taking this diuretic, let me take this anti-inflammatory drug. Uh, herb like yarrow, dandelion, and it might work better for you. But you always have to remember there's a lot of things that are involved. When you are doing your own tinctures, you got to make sure you know what you're doing. I recommend going to a school and learning. It's usually a two-year program. It will cost you, but in the long run, you're going to understand how things work. It's not just a very simple, oh, well, I'll just use St. John's Wort today. Well, St. John's Wort's an antidepressant. If you're already on one, you're going to be in big trouble by the end of the day. Um, if you have issues with taking an anti-inflammatory or a diuretic, then maybe the drugs commercially aren't for you, but you may need to make a tincture. And that's where I used to make tinctures for a lot of cardiac patients because they had issues with all of the other drugs they're taking that we had to find something that could draw the excess water out of a person from around their heart that's not going to cause problems with everything else they're taking because that is not a single I mean, I, I've uh, my gran grandmother was on a medicine that they gave her another medicine to counteract the side effect which had this side effect she was like taking four medicines because of the one issue um <laughs> i have the same issue both my parents were epileptics if okay. any drug i take says on their seizures as a side effect i've never had a seizure ever but because my parents have it's not that you inherit it you just have a more susceptibility to it so it could be induced 
I mean, right. And they hit me with one drug. They hit me with three others that are anti-seizure. And I'm like, holy cow, you know, you're going to make sure I never go into a seizure. But that's the whole idea. If you're with your doctor, go over everything. Don't be a, don't be someone that, oh, he doesn't need to know that. It's just an herb. It's natural. Arsenic is natural and will kill you. It's in a peach. Okay. Um, a while back, Claudio Silver was very popular. I, a lot, um, I've, you know, I've heard stories and I, I've taken it. It does help. I mean, silver, you know. As silver, long as you don't have issues. As long silver. as you don't have issues or. But I mean, there are where it has changed the pigment of people's individual. I mean, pigment of people's skin because they were overdosing on it. They were not, they were listening to whomever and not even listening to the herbologist. And do you remember when copper was the big thing everybody was cooking with? Yes. There is a hereditary mutation where if you, your body cannot eliminate the copper, it builds up in your liver. Ooh. I was a culinary student. I got my first degree as a master chef. I had no idea. And copper is an excellent conductor of heat. That's why you use it. But and that's why it's also used in electricity and everywhere. Because yeah. it's, an, it's an actually heat conductor as well as electricity. And and it's also be can be used if you're not having issues with it, even used, you know, for bracelets and everything for copper energy jewelry. Flow, yeah. For energy flow. Well, it never bothered me, but we had a kid in the class who got really sick and it was because he had this weird mutation he inherited that his body would not eliminate the copper. It would build up in his liver. And it never occurred to me that the copper that I'm cooking with would go into my food. Yes. Now, World War Two. Uh, actually, World War One. I, I take that back. When the British soldier, soldiers were, aluminum had just come out, and they were heating their tea in aluminum. The aluminum mixed with tea releases tannous acid, and they were getting deathly ill because they were drinking tea out of aluminum cups. It was leaching out and making them ill. So... The simplest things that you never put together, you have to start learning because I never thought copper was a problem. I never thought aluminum was a problem, but evidently you don't make tea in aluminum containers because the tannous acid builds up and causes you to become quite ill. And sometimes it's not reversible. It causes some, you know, real issues. So I caution everybody, you know, you think, oh, it's no big deal. Anytime that you are on a medication, one medication, if you're taking aspirin, just to say, all right, aspirin is a blood thinner. It's willow, white willow bark. So if you're playing with your herbs, you're not going to want to do white willow bark if you're already on an aspirin regimen, because that could cause bleeding. You're now, now, now you're increasing the dose of that aspirin, which can have Exponentially. Yes. And what a lot of people don't think about is the ratio to liquid to herb. 
and what that can do. If it's a very, very small amount, it probably won't hurt you. But if it's a large amount, it can have issues. Well, I mean, even going with, let's say you're brewing a tea with um, willow bark. There's not a constant dosage. There's always some variation of how much of is in there. I mean, you don't know. You don't know. Um, I took my, I ended up as a holistic healthcare practitioner. It was a two year course. Our tinctures were actually, we had to send them to a chemist and pay to have them analyzed to make sure you kind of knew what you were doing. And I was amazed. You knew what you were doing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I say kind of because you're taking a raw plant you're putting it in now you have your choice of either putting it in a very high alcohol content like 195 proof or water because you have to remember too um, if you're on any kind of blood thinners or high blood pressure medication can't have alcohol they can't have alcohol so if you use water it's only good for a year it only has a shelf life of a year if you use the um, Everclear like in Maryland it's like 189 proof if you if you use high you don't say Everclear because you know copyright oh, okay. <laughs> high contact alcohol like about 195 proof anywhere from one 185 to 195 is the range that you should be using um, that is like basically homebrew and when you make that tincture up it's good for three years but you've got to remember if someone's in recovery they can't have it they have a liver issue they can't use it um even high blood pressure you got to be really careful because that alcohol even though you're only doing like three or four drops it's still alcohol going into the system and the heart will react to it so you know i i hear a lot of people do oh i only do herbals i get that I'm my degree is like a step above a master herbalist I'm there with you but if you're on any other medication please check with your doctor I mean it's a good best of both worlds I mean you need to see a doctor you know don't just go straight to your herbalist I mean there are some things that we if you're an herbalist you are not an md you have not done the years at medical school you do my degree was two years we all know that doctors go to school more than two years just and they have happen. continuing education they don't just stop it's continuing right and that's why i say educate your doctor ask yeah. your doctor um and if you really and I'll, I'll give you a little clue if you're really into the herbs and all Instead of getting an MD, get an OD. That is a holistic doctor. He's gone through medical school just like everybody else. He gets an MD, but he does a little bit more. And he's treating you all over. So they are very much more open to listening and also much more open to some herbal remedies. Now, you've got to remember tinctures and things of that nature you're making it in your kitchen okay how many of you think that you could have a health inspector come in and pass your kitchen okay I work commercial kitchens I can tell you from experience your kitchen doesn't even come close oh no so 
you're making an you're making a medicine in your kitchen sink that you're going to intake that can actively change your body chemistry i would say you want to talk to somebody about that just to make sure that you know what you're doing um i hear people and it's usually at pagan gatherings let's be honest because we all get together and we all talk and there are a lot of herbalists out there and there are some fantastic herbalists out there who can whip up that salve, that tincture, whatever you need in 30 seconds. But by the same token, if they don't know everything that you're doing, they don't know, just like your doctor, if your doctor doesn't know you're taking all these herbs and he can't figure out why you're not getting better, it's because you're taking the herb that's counterindicating what medication he's giving you. He's confused. Sit down with your doctor, and like I said, if you're really that into it, go to an OD, sit down, go through everything, and explain how you feel. If you don't want to do this drug, you'd rather do the herb. Make sure that you get your herbs. The other thing that a lot of people don't think about is when you're doing and making your tinctures, which is wonderful, um, exactly where your tinctures grown and what kind of pesticides and herbicides are they using. Oh, and also what's your water table like? Ooh, I hit a nerve. Yeah. Um, you have to be very careful. If you go out and forage, back in the day when I was a very young witch, we could go to the state park or go to uh, a land preserve and you could forage and get some of the herbs. They don't use pesticides or any of that stuff. First of all, a lot of that stuff looks alike. And I'm not going to lie to you. There's times when I've looked at it and go, is that this or this? Mm -hmm. Ah, and trust me, don't you? I understand there's an app now where you can click and take a picture and it's going to tell you what it is, but. It's still AI. It's still, it has its issues. I mean, you, you could be wrong. Yeah, and I would hate to see you think that you're, you know, using something really cool like your R. And, and you actually have Zumac. <laughs> or belladonna you know it's like uh um poison sumac oh god i'm so allergic to that stuff and trust me guys do not let anybody tell you that you cannot pick up poison ivy poison oak or poison sumac in the winter they're lying if that fuzzy vine it's an oil it's an oil if it it's gets an on your oil skin, it is an oil if it gets on your skin you're done for i'm if you're allergic if you're allergic I'm extremely allergic. I am so allergic that I swear if I get within 20 foot, I get it. Boy Scouts camping January up in Pennsylvania. You know how cold it is in January in Pennsylvania. I leaned against a tree and put my hand on it. And someone said, isn't that a fuzzy vine? I'm like, it's time of year. Really? Yeah. I got poison ivy on the palm and down my arm. All right. Horrible stuff. But let's move on. We're talking sewing. Uh, notice the bats. I'm, I'm trying to get it in the mood. Um, sewing is. Sewing and of, kids. Sewing and kids. That, that's what we're talking about tonight. Yeah. And it's, you know, sometimes it is tough because you're going to talk about my nephew lost his grandmother when he was about five years old. So he has enough of a, he's nine now. So he has enough of a memory to 
kind of remember her and some of the stuff they did together. Like he remembers her reading this one book to him, which he cries when he hears it now. And it's like, it's really hard. Like, how do we explain to him that it's okay to be sad, but it's okay to be happy. And some of your relatives, like I know everybody's doing the ancestry and what is it, whatever, me and one, two, three or whatever it's called. Twenty three and me, ancestry.com. There's a ton of them out there and people are doing genealogy like crazy. Um, what exactly are we doing? I know we're doing our family trees, but are we actually looking at our family trees and seeing where things were passed down? Um, you, uh, uh, sometimes you have some stories. I mean, because, you know, you can find out if on the Ancestry one, you can find out if you pay the membership, you can find out more about that particular relative. If they were in the army, what their rank was, um, where they lived, and just different things like that. I mean... My children never got to meet my parents. My parent, oh, well, my oldest did. My oldest got to meet my father. But both my parents were dead by the time my son was born. So he never met his grandmother. He never met his grandfather on my side. As he was growing up, all the kids in school, of course, you know, have both grandparents. And my poor child was, didn't know them. My parents died young. They were in their 40s. Um, so it was kind of like he had that emptiness. Now, I never got to meet my mother's parents because they stayed in Europe. So I understood that emptiness, you know, because everybody else had, oh, I'm going to my father's parents, or I'm going to my mother's parents. And I was like, oh, my dad, my mother was the only one that came over to this country. So when I start to do my ancestor altar, which this time of year, I'm pulling out the pictures, you know, going through and seeing what ones are going on the altar. Um, it's, it's really difficult because I don't have pictures of my mother's family. I don't know who's alive and who isn't. They never kept in contact. Um, it was their daughter. She was the only one and she was over here and they have, I don't know, she was like one of 12 or 13 kids. So I can just imagine the bedlam. Um, well, so it's she, she could also have been shunned too for coming over here too. Yeah, she um, came to America, um, and I only remember ever talking to my Nona like one time as a child. So I really, I remember speaking, and it took forever to get an answer back. This was way back in the day, because um, it was that transatlantic. Last week. Last week. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> there was that transatlantic, um, I don't know, it was like a, 30 second delay or something mm -hmm. for it to go through and then come back again. Um, so, and nowadays people are not like multi-generational, like living together, like it used to be when I was a kid. So your kids might not understand really what's going on. Like who is this person we're supposed to be honoring? Um, they might, Honestly, no uh, political or activist figure more than they know their grandparents. If they're not there, they probably know more about, you know, somebody like George Washington 
than they know about their own grandparents because you can pick that up online. Mm -hmm. um, the first thing I want to say to parents out there, if you're not living multi-generational or close by your relatives and extended family, maybe this is a time where your kids need to learn who their cousins are, who their aunts and uncles are, who their grandparents are. Just um, a quick family tree. Yeah. And those are lots of fun. You can actually put a paper up on the wall and, and do the family tree. That's kind of cool. Um, my son, of course, my father's family, we go back to the 1100s. We had the, the whole thing done. So when the teacher asked for a family tree, when he was like in fourth grade, walks in with his book, sets it on her desk and goes, this is my family tree. She was thinking grandparents, maybe great grandparents here. My son goes back to the 1100s in Scotland. So it's like, Jay, I don't think that's exactly what she was looking for, but it worked. Um, but there's a lot of things you can do with your kids this time of year that not only bring out the ancestors, but also bring together um, more of a community because your ancestors, with the Corellian tradition, our ancestors are the Corellians who went before us. And my favorite's going to be Virginia. I'm sorry. Her and I hit it off back in the day. Virginia Powell, I, um, I was fortunate enough to meet her, to work with her, to do ritual with her, which was totally for me awesome. Um, I don't know. She, she always holds a special place in my heart as far as the ancestors. And then we have Lady Bitterwind. And I know you and her had a very oh, close yes. relationship. We had a very, very close relationship. So ancestors doesn't necessarily mean just blood. And people get a little tied up in that. Um, ancestors can be somebody, a teacher who has passed. I had a teacher in high school who I thought the world of, and then I found out my son had him in high school and I was like, oh my God, this man is like, to me, he was everything. He was everything a teacher should be. Um, I consider him an ancestor. But he had a very, it's not just family. It's people that also has, means something to you. I mean, something you've had a connection with. It's, it could even, you know, if you have a, you know, strong connection to uh, 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 George Washington, could be, you know, if you, you know, yeah, if you he could have been feel... you in a past life. Right. Or you could have been working with him in a past yeah. life. It's that kind of thing. So when we're dealing with our children, you have to understand, first of all, they don't quite always have the concept of anything outside the family being an ancestor. Because before I joined the Corellian tradition, um, ancestors were personal. Mm -hmm. And that's how in other traditions you're taught ancestors, unless it's your lineage, like, you know, you were from Gerald Gardner, and, you know, and then you go down your lineage. Um, your ancestors were basically personal. Um, our tradition allows us to bring in our awesome ancestors in the Corellian tradition. Now, unfortunately, every year that list gets longer. Yes, unfortunately. And longer, and I'm, I'm like, Virginia and I shared a love of sewing. We both like to, to make things. We both like to sew. We were... 
uh, connected in that way. And I felt when I first met her, I felt a connection. And it when I heard that she had went to the Summerland, I was devastated because it was like, wow, this is a woman who I shared sewing and, and crafting and all of this stuff because she did a lot of that stuff yeah. with the tradition. And I was like, wow, this is a woman I connected with. Um, and it's like, well, can I put her on my altar? And for a long time, I wasn't sure because I was like, well, she's not really my ancestor, but I really enjoyed her company. And I finally, Lord Don was doing one of his uh, chancellor chats and he's like, well, anybody that had an impact on your life, it doesn't matter who they are, is an ancestor. And I thought, wow, that that really struck me because it's like, your children have people who they associate with, and if anything has happened, they've passed, gone to the Summerland. That could be an ancestor for your child. And it's really tough with kids because they don't understand most of them until they get much older. Mortality is something we don't understand until we're in our 20s, to be honest, unless you go to war. Or have it throughout your life. If you now, my family, we took our children, no matter what age, to a funeral. Mm -hmm. My son's first funeral was, I guess, he was about eighteen months old. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who don't. A lot of cultural norms say no. My culture is like, you got a kid, you put him on your hip, and you go to the funeral home. That's kind of what we do, but not everybody does that. So. My children were open to death because they had been going to funerals since they were little. So they kind of sort of understood. Um, but really, in your brain and your maturity, it doesn't hit you till you're in your 20s that, yeah, you could die from doing this stupid stunt. Um, so that might be true for, you know, girls. But guys, I don't think it actually hits until we actually die. <laughs> okay, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> This is why women live longer than men, okay? This is a perfect example. Um, Dr. G, medical examiner, I'm going to throw that out there. I had a whole segment on this subject alone, and I was in the floor laughing until I was crying about it. Um, she was talking about, you know, mortality and people dying, and it's called the testosterone theory. I'm going to leave it there. Um, well, it, it's also depending on... Okay, when women get together, they, the IQ seems to increase. When men get together, the IQ seems to decrease. The caveman effect. <laughs> I, I don't know if the... I've heard it called the caveman effect, okay? It's true. But we're going to talk about how to deal with your children. Now, this, this time of year is really um, different because we're talking about honoring our ancestors, and depending upon your ethnic background, it can be either a very somber time, or if you're uh, Hispanic, this is a celebration mm -hmm. of it. Um, and I said last time, I really recommended the movie Coco, um, just because it explained things a little bit easier to a small child that they could understand about, you know, honoring the ancestors, putting their picture on the altar and that. And in the Hispanic culture, they actually go out and have a, a freaking picnic on the gravesite. I think that's awesome. I mean, 
what better way to to stay in touch with your you know great great uncle that you've never met you're at his gravesite and you're celebrating his life that's yeah. pretty cool and then they they tell stories as well about you know that has been passed on you know oh he you know was in world war ii or whatever and you know yeah his favorite color was green or yeah. just I always recommend this time of year to find your oldest living relative and start asking questions and write them down or record them. Mm -hmm. You will be amazed um, what comes across. I had my, my last relative in my father's generation, my aunt died, uh, of course, on my birthday. Um, but she was the one who knew everything about everybody. If you had a question, you went to her because she had, she knew everything. Um, and I had all these questions I wanted to ask her and I went two years ago to see her and I asked a bunch of questions, but there, of course, when you leave, there's 20 more that you think of. So I thought, oh, I'm going to write them down. I'm going to ask her this year when I go. Well, she died in April and I didn't get back home until July. So I missed asking her these questions so there's a lot of questions I don't have answers to and I don't know if any of my cousins can remember that far back to actually give me answers so I recommend this is the time of year sit down and talk with somebody in your family the oldest relative you have and start writing that stuff down um, we used to do we call them red tents now but when I was a kid growing up, it was canning or cleaning the vegetables when you brought them in, like snapping the peas and stuff. And all the women literally sat there and was, and they'd start talking. And you heard stuff that you had no idea about. And it was like incredible knowledge these women were passing along. Now, nowadays, you didn't, color, but you didn't realize it. You didn't realize didn't. it at the time. No. When I first heard the term red tent, I had no idea what y'all was talking about. And then they said, I'm like, no, that's called canning. <laughs> it's when you're in the kitchen. That's, and that's fixing Sunday dinner. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't realize that I was so blessed. I mean, my goodness. I was in the kitchen canning and doing the vegetables. And I heard all of this going on. So I had a lot of knowledge about things that I didn't realize other people had. It was like, oh yeah, that's normal. It happens when this happens. And they look at you like you're crazy. Well, we were talking about it when I was cooking dinner, helping cook dinner with my yeah. aunt. And I didn't realize that they don't have it. Now y'all have green tents for the guys, right? That is correct. And that's a time when, you know, we get together and we talk about stuff that if you do not live in a multi-generational house, you don't know nothing about. Well, also, I mean, as we've said before, the whole uh, difference in male-female mortality. I, I mean, so, yeah. It, a lot of the times the guys don't have the grandfathers and everything because, you know, they... Well, you know, what can I say? We're, they work themselves to death. I mean, that's. Well, my family, um, my dad was in Korea. Uh, he did come back from that, but he also worked in the coal mines in West Virginia. Yeah. So 
mortality is very high, uh, especially during war times. Now, a lot of my cousins served in Vietnam. So again, another war where we would lose the men that, and that war had a lot of women in it, a lot more women than prior wars to that. So you lose a lot of that. But I really recommend um, for the guys, Green Tent is a fabulous it's way. It's an amazing time for guys to get together and we talk about different things. Uh, anything from what's going on in our personal lives to other issues. I mean, how how to actually be a guy, I guess, would be the... I don't know if that... Yeah. I mean, and I'm not being a smart. I mean, if you grew up in a multi-generational household, there were some things that you did that you just took for granted, you know. Uh, you walked on the left side... You walked on the outside of a lady um, yeah. when you were walking down the street. So if the car jumped at the curb, it hit you instead of the, the lady. You can push them out of the way. Right. And, and we don't even... I don't even know if anybody knows that anymore. Yes. My kids do. But I, I'm saying that that's the kind of stuff that, you know, the guys talk about in, in green tent, yeah. uh, red tent, and, we and, handle. And there, there's also about the sword, too, defending. Right. That's why you walk on the right side of a guy because they could pull his sword out. That's why our shirts button differently from men to women. All has to do with pulling a sword out, believe it or not. Yeah. I was amazed when I learned that one. I was like, really? They changed? Because back in the 70s and 60s, it was unisex clothing. Mm -hmm. And um, I know I stole one of my dad's shirts and it buttoned wrong because it was like, how the hell do I button this? It's backwards. All of my shirts were buttoned the other way. Nowadays, I don't think it matters. Do they button the same, or are they different? I don't know. I, I don't I've, even know. I've, I've, never, I've never buttoned up one of my wife's <laughs> I only remember because, I, like I said, I stole one of my dad's shirts, and I was, like, buttoning it up, and, like, it, it felt really weird because the buttons were on the other side. Um, but back in the 60s and 70s, we did the unisex, so everything was supposed to be the same way, but our shirts buttoned differently so the men could bring their sword out and not have be hampered by the buttons. There you go, ladies. Another thing. But with our kids, there are so many things we can do with them that are fun. Um, I think the coolest thing to do, and I asked my daughter, what was the coolest thing we did? And she actually said that the coolest thing I ever did was to share some of my tools and let her have her own tools for the craft. I was like, really? Like nothing I said made an impact. It was a stupid whatever I gave you. And she's like, well, yeah, because that made me feel like I was part of the group. Okay. So... I recommend with your kids is to start making some ritual tools and letting them have them. Now, Samhain, we do a lot of scrying, um, a, lot a, lot of of a lot of divination work. Oh my God, this is and, the, yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, if I can sleep for more than two hours in the next two days, I will be amazed. <laughs> um, Samhain always hits me hard because I'm an empath. 
So this time of year is like all my relatives come knocking at two o'clock in the morning. Do they have clocks over in the Summerland? Yeah. Time, well, <sighs> giving away a third degree secret here. Time's our concept. <laughs> Time's our concept. It does not. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I kind of want to send a few clocks over there. <laughs> because it never fails it's always at the witching hour or my god whatever freaking time in the morning i was gonna say you know the witching hour i mean anywhere between one o'clock and five o'clock that is when it seems to be very active and it has been extremely active this year i don't know what is going on well i think it has a lot to do with a lot of people crossing in the last couple of years Probably with the COVID and everything that's been going on, but oh my God, I'm like screaming at my relatives. It's like, I have to go to work tomorrow and work on numbers and I can't do that with 20 minutes sleep. Uh, last night, I was up three times and I was awoken three times. It wasn't me waking up. It was someone waking me up three times last night. I was ready to kill. Um, that's another thing. Your children are open portals. They the shielding ground. It's very important. Please say that again. Shield and ground. Teach your children how to shield and ground. This is a time of year when children will wake up with nightmares, and everybody thinks it's because of the scary stories on TV and this, that, and the other. It's a lot of high energy. A lot of what we consider nightmares are just high energy dreams that you're getting spirit messages and I mean even at a young age you're trying to your mind's trying to interpret it and it can cause you to suddenly awake and yeah and scary for and a little scary. guy yeah um, I used to do a, a little thing with my kids um, I have three. Two are very empathic. Unfortunately, they take after their mother. The other one, not so much so, but she also ended up with nightmares this time of year. Um, tell your children that if they're having a nightmare or something that scares them, they have the control and ability to say, I'm done with this. Stop. Many times that will wake, that will stop a nightmare. Because not only spirit hears them, but they're taking control. If you can teach your children in the middle of a nightmare to say, this is a nightmare, it's not real, wake up. Or whatever phrase works for your child, because it's very individual. Oh, yeah. Um, once they get that ability, you've given them control. And it's amazing what they can do with it. Um, my oldest was, stop, this isn't real. She would come right out of her nightmare. And it stopped the, you know, three o'clock screaming where you're running into their room and you're in a panic mode and they're in a panic mode. And of course, it takes you hours to calm down because you're, you're up here. Yeah, both your adrenaline got a rush going in. Yeah. Right. So, and by the time you get calmed down, it's time to get up anyway. So by teaching your child, they can control that. They can say, no, I'm done. Or whatever phrase works for your individual child. You may have to try a couple. Um, with my son, it was, it 
took like three or four times before he finally found a phrase that actually worked for him that would allow him to come out of the nightmare or the visit, because many times it was a visit, for him to have control and say, I'm done. So I caution parents this time of year. I know we see the scary movies. They watch the scary movies. They go to Spirit and get Spirit Halloween stores. You know, they have all the stuff that moves and scares them. Um, and many parents attribute their nightmares to that when it's really not that. It is ancestors, one way or another, saying, not that hey, bad. You're, you're going to show off one of your, uh, how to make one of your tools. Well, you know, I, I, this is a, like, two-minute test. Um, my kids, they always wanted to know how mom could divinate things. I'm a tarot reader. I'll tell you that outright. I read tarot very well. I do mirror readings. Scrying is really not my thing, but I've done it and I know how to do it. Um, my daughter is much better scryer than I am. Um, her first scrying um, object um, we made and it's taking a five by seven. It's very simple, a five by seven frame painting a black and this is actually an old folder that I had and I painted it five minutes before we started the show so because I couldn't find the one I made last year I was tearing the house apart looking for it you put it together and you have a scrying mirror now your child you teach your child all you do is you paint it with black um, paint from AC Moore, Michaels, wherever you get it from. What is it? Walmart. $2. It's like a dollar a bottle yeah. or something for the acrylic bag. This is nothing more than a manila folder. As my kids used to call them vanilla folders. Um, and I just cut it out. I just put it in here. And you put it in a dollar. This is from the dollar store. I always buy my frames at dollar store. And you have a scrying mirror. And you can actually see us in there. And this is really cool because I didn't realize this. I was a little slow. My kids were like, I was like, you know, you're starting to ask them now because I'm on the show. I start asking questions about when they were little and they're like, really, you want to know now? Um, but the question was, you know, when did you kind of like really get into this? And I was told when they started getting their own tools. Who knew? I didn't for a buck you got a scrying mirror yeah. now will it work well it depends on how good you teach them but over the years these things this is like what uh, a dollar for the mirror a dollar for the bottle of paint what was it two cents for the brush because I buy them in quantity yeah. and they, you just paint this on an old like I said I literally this is, I did five minutes before the show because I couldn't find mine. So I'm running around and my roommate's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm trying to find it. You can see I cut it out of the old folder, um, painted it really quick. It finally dried, put it in. You got a scrying mirror. Now, what does that do for your kids? When you start giving your kids the ability to control their magic or control their, if they're empaths, or if they're just starting to feel things that are magical, you've given them control. 
right here. They can look into the mirror. Now, I recommend if, if you're doing it with your child, do a protection spell, cast circle, just to make sure, because I'm one of those overprotective moms. We cast circle, they go in, they take the scrying mirrors in the circle, and they scry. It can't be easier than that. Um, my kids, uh, they're better at scrying than I am because I wasn't taught as a child how to scry. So for me, it's I almost have to like you have to work it. at it. Yeah, work at it. I don't like working at it. I'm not very good at it. But that is a craft that you all can do together and sit down and do it. You can actually cast your circle. I always recommend before you do any kind of magic or any kind of divination just to protect you and everybody around you because your kids don't know they'll let anything in they don't understand so just cast your circle very quickly cast the sacred space and that way you're protected and everybody outside is protected have, have them write down what they see in the mirror have them write down and then you can discuss what's going on you know oh you saw whatever they saw i mean you can see anything from a person to animals to shapes sometimes even words yeah i somebody i knew actually saw words when they scried and i was like oh cool because sometimes it's auditory you won't see anything but you'll hear something um there are phenomenal people out there who do scrying that can give you all sorts of clues but something that quick and i didn't realize that them making their own tools was like where it was at who knew being a parent of a pagan child back in the 70s was not as easy as it sounds <laughs> um there there's so many things out there but making a tool with your child um, my daughter said she actually felt like I was letting her into our circle with the adults because she had her own scrying mirror. You know, two bucks and I got a mirror and I, it basically was, get out of my face, this is something you can do. Yeah. Sorry, it was. My daughter's going to watch this and she's going to call me on, I can hear the phone call right now. But... <laughs> It was, it was something easy, it was quick, but I didn't realize it meant that much. But evidently, a child having its own tools is a coming of age, almost. Yeah. Well, Which I didn't. You're, the, this is theirs, that's theirs. That, that's not yours, you're not you know, having somebody, bar, you know, oh, this, that's mom's tools, no, this is mine. They're mine, they're, you know, they're, I. Oh, I could go upstairs now and cast circle. You know, I, I can do this on my own. It gives them a sense of... I guess control? You're developing... Now they can practice. I, they, I guess... They, 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 they can practice on their own. Freedom, kind of like you, you yeah. can... Or giving them the power that they can do this. Yeah. The only thing I really recommend, honestly, is teaching them how to cast circle first. Have, having a cast circle grounding and shielding are very important i mean that in our first degree lessons that is one of the very first things you learn is how to ground center and ground i mean 
that's kind of the basic because yeah. even if a child's having a temper tantrum, if you can yell at them ground and center, that can stop a temper tantrum. Okay, it, it also helps us as an adult. I mean, how many times have you been in a stressful setting when you, you, you know your blood pressure is going through the roof? Just step back, take a deep breath, and just let it flow to the ground. I mean, that's a simple grounding technique. Used twice today. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I have a piece of hematite and I have a piece of a coal on my desk. And when things get too mad, too crazy at work, I grab my coal and I'm holding on to my hard piece of coal. And I'm like, I try not to throw it because it's the only piece I have. But it's <sighs> well, you, I, I posted on Facebook, uh, you know. This woman gave me, you know, this handful of stones to help with, you know, and it has worked because I haven't thrown it at anybody. <laughs> exactly. I'm not joking. But I found that children that have their own tools or ritual tools um, seem to, like, be a little bit more in control. They feel like they're in control. Yeah. And honestly, we all know it's about control because that's what we do as adults. We try to control everything. And I think by loud, things that are out of our control. Yeah, everything is out of our control. We just yeah. don't admit it. Yeah. But I do know that my kids, I didn't realize giving them the little, like, stupid scrying mirror. It basically was, in all honesty, it was to get her out of my hair. Be honest, you know. And she just thought that was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And she went on. My son, he... He made his own runes, mm -hmm. and he felt very in control with them. And I'm like, good. That was a rainy day activity because he was getting on my nerves, and it was either kill him or teach him how to make runes. Okay, and every mom and even dads, come on, Jace, you know you've been there. Yes. You don't look good in orange. <laughs> <laughs> You do the chant. Every child gets on a parent's nerve because they remind us of ourselves. <laughs> I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna qualify that statement <laughs> because I have a mini me, and yeah. oh my god! But you know, I mean, you know, sometimes our children get our best traits, but they also get some of our worst traits. But I find that if we do little little things with them this time of year or any time of the year when you start working with your kids spiritually and uh, you know in any tradition there are certain things that your kids can do and cannot do and i've always been like okay let's be careful what we do right because their energy that's part of teaching them i mean you're 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 teaching them on that this is this is the steps you need to take to protect yourself and to protect others and your house. And and this time of year when the veil is so thin, um, you'll find out really quick if you have an empath in your house. I can guarantee it. They're the ones screaming at midnight because they don't understand that the veil is thin. There are people who are waiting on the other side. We don't know if they're good, bad, or indifferent we don't know if they're related or not related but they want to speak 
Yeah. And they have something to say. And your child doesn't understand if they're good, bad, or indifferent. And they only know that there's this person that's talking to them. So they don't know how to deal with it. Um, and it's usually, I don't know, I found it, it was nightmares with my kids. I don't, mine's were, were never nightmares, but I've also, I also explained this is what could possibly happen. This is what's going on this time of year. This is, so, I mean, so they already had an inkling on, you know, because I, I, you know, taught them lucid dreaming and things like that. And so. This unfortunately is a time of the year as adults that we are celebrating ancestors and all the, the stuff that went before us but we have to remember that the upcoming group the upcoming generation needs to be led and have things explained to them i don't know i mean my kids were like what the hell is going on you know i was woke up three times last night and i swore my oldest was like i swore it was granddad i was like probably was but how do you explain that right. so I find that combining things and, and talking to the kids casting circle and grounding I think are absolutely you have to start like when they're about five yeah because they're sensitive at that age mm -hmm. and when they come up to you and say you know I was talking to my friend the first thing I say where was your friend at because most imaginary friends are not imaginary at all. Um, and it's, it's really creepy when you start looking at things. I mean, they might be fortunate to have a relative who's watching over them, but they might also be unfortunate to have God only knows what talking to them. Yeah. I and been some of that previously lived in the home. Right. And I find, too, kids, like, let's face it, Halloween is cool. Kids get to go door to door and get candy. I want a Halloween where adults can go door to door and get miniatures. I'm, I'm that, working that's, on that. That's why we have adult Halloween parties. <laughs> well, actually, my neighborhood is having a bring-your-own-bottle party on the 31st, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm there. Um, but this is the time when how do you commingle Halloween and Samhain? Because your kids are going to want to go out with every other kid in the neighborhood. I, I know they go in bands, like little pack animals. Mm -hmm. And they go door to door, you know, banging on the doors. I've had a lot of, um, over the years, I've had a lot of witches tell me, oh, I don't let my kids do Halloween. I'm like, why? But they're the purest. I mean, um... <laughs> I, I don't get it. What difference does it make if they go out on the 31st and come back with a bag of candy because mom gets to go through the candy first and pick out her favorites? Um, <laughs> Yeah, they lost those candies, but oh, the, 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 those are bad. Those, those are not good for you. Those are not good for you. That that's a good one. Um, or uh, this is the dad tax. <laughs> I like that dad tax. I have to remember that one. 
but well for you it'd be a mom tax it's a mom tax well now i'm sorry grandmother tax great grandmother tax on my body's eight god help me um but no i i don't what's your opinion on that seriously i i've never had a problem with my kids dressing up for halloween because i love dressing up that was halloween has always been a time for family my mother i was a single parent so she worked all the time um halloween was our time because she loved to do the art effects makeup and i and she would help with the haunted houses and things like that she hated scary movies let me put it out that she hated scary movies but she loved the fx part of it she loved doing the fake blood the causing somebody to be like an icicle but she did the whole icicle thing on me she would test that on me before she would do it on somebody else but, okay. so you were the test animal I, I was the, i was the test dummy but anyway but it was it was my family time and you know and so you didn't have a problem with your kids doing the trick-or-treat as they grow up no i've always like i don't know i'm not a purist by any stretch but my kids love the Halloween parties and the the dances as they got older. They had Halloween dances in high school. Well, and, and even as adults, we still have you know the Halloween dances and we still dress up. Yeah, we still we still get to dress up and you know be a I've kid. I've been dressing we, we all week. We get to be a kid. We get to be a kid for you know that one day of the year. <laughs> you know? I don't know. I've stretched it out to the last two day two weeks of this year. I've dressed every day. Um, I used to work at Goodwill and I was the boo crew in that you were actually trained in August and in September you had to dress at least twice a week in October you better be dressed every day when you went into work so for me everybody's like oh my god I'm like yes because I have everything right but I've always and, felt oh, like speaking, speaking of Goodwill and thrift stores and things like that you can sometimes find your best costumes there do you honestly know that this is our and when i worked at goodwill halloween was our highest holiday that's where we made the most money not christmas but halloween mm -hmm. well people are going in there for costumes I mean, <laughs> well not just they're going in there for everything yeah. but i i was really shocked i didn't realize that till i actually worked for goodwill suncoast and uh, they're like this is our best season so you they have a boot crew and they have someone who is literally trained to do costumes uh, we took a training class to do costumes and of course for me it was like holy i get to do this for real and i was very excited. somebody's gonna pay me to do it you know? someone is paying me to make your costume because you you were told like uh you were actually part of our training was like you have uh 20 you have two minutes to find a costume for and they pull it out of the thing and hand it to you and you had to take your partner and go dress them yeah. and to me it was like freaking awesome i was in seventh heaven when they first announced that i could go to boot crew and i was like oh okay and then they told me what i got to do i was like oh my god i was so excited so for two years i was your buku queen in um saint pete but i have always felt that my kids going out and getting candy door to door was something they adored and they just 
the dressing up, the costuming. Well, like I said, my, my mother, it was our time. I mean, she dressed up just as much as we did. I mean, we'd all, you know, when my sister was born, she, you know, pushing the, you know, she actually found an old baby carriage and she dressed up like an old. Oh my God, how cute. Uh, um, I get it. Nanny or. or yeah, yeah, I mean, she was in the black and, you know, just the. And of course, my, my sister was very small. They thought it was a Cabbage Patch doll. <laughs> you got to sold her. <laughs> Think about that. You got to make money off of her. You're the older brother, right? Yeah, I'm the older brother. Yeah, I was the older sister. So, yeah. Siblings, you're going to lose every time. Just, yeah. just accept it. I just think that there is no issue with your kids going out trick-or-treating and having a ball. You dressing up like I like to dress up and hand out candy. Yeah. Oh. I, um, when, you know, I got past the age of going out and trick-or-treating, uh, every year I would dress up as something to hand out candy. One year I was, uh, I'll admit, I, my favorite was, you know, jump scares and things like that. Um, one year I did the whole, I had a scarecrow set up in my front yard for about a month. Well, my stepdad picked me up carried me out there and put me down there and put the bowl of candy on my lap but i was dressed because I, I had the exact same clothes so you know and when they were sorry we're not home just take a piece of candy was the sign i had around my neck oh my god that is so cool see i dressed for my when my kids you know the, my husband god bless his soul he would take the kids and I would be at home and I'd be handing out the candy and I would be fully dressed. I mean, from head to toe, whatever it was. Every year I dressed and my kids would go out trick-or-treating. Yeah, my mom's a real witch. You can't scare me. I love my child. Really, I do. Oh, <laughs> um, story about that. My, my oldest, well, I should say my youngest son just went to a haunted house. Just, you know, going through there. And he felt bad for the actors because, you know, they were trying to, you know, try to scare him. And he's. Yeah, my dad's a real one. He, he was looking at some of the decorations, you know, going, you know, they really could have done that better. <laughs> you know, I have to tell a story. My late husband's brother used to do the haunted house for the area for the. Um, we lived in, in Maryland and there was a community area and he did the haunted house every year and he was. He would usually come to me and ask me, you know, what do we need? What do we do? Kind of thing. And I would go and help him. And my kids, as they got older, were actors in the haunted house. And they were like, oh, mom, you know. Like I said, this is my time of the year. And, you know, um, and, you know, I would look at YouTube videos on DIYs and things like that. And, you know, I've showed them how they do some of the effects in, in the haunted, you know. The, well, the transfer the transformation box where it's a pepper's ghost effect you're you know going from you're just rotating a mirror so a lot of those a lot of the scares and things like they've modified them but they're still basically the same right because my kids worked with their uncle they would go with uncle henry which was my late husband's brother and they would work the haunted houses with him and 
when they got to be a certain age, because prior to that, you know, it was a little too scary for them. But they would go and they would help him do the haunted houses. And they were like, this is so cool. We get to go do this for a whole month. Because they, in Maryland, they'd yeah. start on like the end of September-ish. I would say they, near the end of September all the way up until... All the way up until Halloween. Sometimes and, even past Halloween to, in November. Depending on the weekend. Yes. How Halloween ended. If it ended in the middle of the week, that following weekend, you still had a haunted house. Yeah. And my kids loved it. They were like... At first, I mean, the first time they went through, of course, they were scared and everything, yeah. you know. But they knew their uncle was working it, so they had that sense of comfort that... You know, if it got too scary, they would call his name and he would come out and get them. Yeah. But as they got older, oh, my God, they were, like, really gross and ugh, <laughs> blood and, like, yeah. entrails and, like, oh, my I, God. I'll have to admit, my one of my worst things that scares me is the children laughter. Okay, I have an issue with dolls. And children, children laughter is... That is the creepiest thing to me. Just the, you know, and I've, and I've put that in, and if I'm, you know, helping with haunted house or something, there's something where there's a kid laughing or dragging a doll or something. <laughs> I have an issue with the old porcelain dolls. I cannot be in the same room with an old doll. I, I, and I'm not joking. I've actually stayed at relatives where I've had to say, that has to go to another room because I can't sleep here tonight. It's And I used to do porcelain faces for my aunt. I uh, She had a ceramic store, and I used to go in and, and paint porcelain faces for her to put on dolls. But if she ever handed me one, I think I would have probably messed my britches. I, I cannot do. And I have friends who collect old dolls, and I'm looking at them going like, don't you see the fear? Don't you see the, like, creepiness? Oh, isn't it beautiful? I'm like, no, it's not. All right. so I guess we all have our fears, I, and, and I can't do clowns either. Sorry. All That's right. well, very good. We're at our time. We're at our time, but I want to let you know, on our website, uh, on our Facebook page, we are going to upload a couple of different places where you can do crafts with your kids. And they're, they're really mundane crafts, but they're a lot of fun to do. I encourage you as a parent and this time of year, um, talk about your spirituality. Talk about what this time means. But by no means deny them their fun. Because for a child, this is a magical time of year. They get to dress up and be something that... Maybe they want to be, or maybe they hope that they will be a superhero, or maybe they want to be that unicorn. And this is a time of year to allow their imaginations to run wild, to dress Absolutely. them. Judges, whatever they want, you know. Whatever their hearts desire, because you don't know what they're going to grow up to be. Allow them their imagination, allow them their aspirations to dress up go trick-or-treating, go with them. What better way to have fun than going, like I said, I'm still looking for who does the miniatures, you know, let me know what neighborhood you're in because I will trick-or-treat there. But <laughs> take your kids out, have some fun with them, and then come back and honor your ancestors because after they've gone out and they've got their bag of candy and they're dragging it in the house, Maybe you can spend 10 minutes at an ancestor altar and just honor. Talk, talk about your uh, 
your relatives. Talk about, you know, yeah. people that have met, you know, that have passed that have mean something to you. Talk about them. I mean, like you said, it doesn't have to be a blood relative. It could be. And anyone. you can combine both holidays yeah. and even the Day of the Dead, all three of them, into one really special family time. And I'm telling you, at my age, family time is very special because it's very limited. You only have a certain period of time until they outgrow <laughs> a lot of the fun things you get to do with them. Honestly, they do. They outgrow the Easter Bunny. They outgrow Santa Claus. They outgrow, you know, Nightmare they Before Christmas. Santa Claus. I've never outgrown Santa Claus. Thank you very much. I have a hotline to the North Pole. But... <laughs> This is a time of year when you can express with your children the fun you have, but allow them to dress and to be who they want to be, because this is an expression of who they are and what they are going to be. And every year it's going to change. It will amaze you. They will go from being what witches to maybe unicorn. Iron Man. <laughs> Iron Man. Oh my God. You can literally look at pictures and tell what year they were by the costumes the kids are wearing. So I encourage you, take your children out. Go trick-or-treating. Just come back and honor your ancestors. And talk about them. Jason's right. You need to talk about your relatives and talk about them in a way that is not scary or not tearful if you can get through it um explain who their ancestors are and who they are and what they did and something special about them because your children will when i just love that generational thing where it shows you you have four grandparents and then it goes to what is it eight and then it goes exponentially by nine generations you have two thousand ancestors standing behind you Explain that to your kids. You've got 2,000 ancestors standing right behind you. You can do anything you want to do. You've and got them standing right there. Talk about their struggles. I mean, yeah, every generation's had their, where we've had to conquer something. I mean, even talk about yourself and, you know, your personal history. I mean, not necessarily, I mean, I mean. My dad my dad's generation went through the Great Depression. Yeah. Um, women's rights. I mean, oh, that's not, I mean, that's not even, that wasn't very far in the past. That was in the 70s. Yeah. I mean, uh, 70s and 80s, when unions were trying to get better working conditions. Seriously. I mean, our children now don't know what child labor is because of the unions yes. and because of the laws that were passed. I think it's really good. It's a history lesson, but it's also a personal history lesson where you can talk I, about this. I mean, talk about your uh, great aunt. Oh, at Thanksgiving, why you cut a quarters off to fit it in the pan. I mean, simple, you know. Uh, our but Thanksgiving you know, what are your traditions that's been passed down, you know, or and this is a time starting from now through the end of December. This is family time, as far as I'm concerned, because this is where you start with your kids, dressing them up, taking them out. Then we have Thanksgiving coming in November, and then December we have Yule and Christmas. So this is this starts like a family type season. 
and it doesn't stop until New Year's. So I think this is a time when we really need to start looking at, okay, we're a family, but where do we come from? What do we do? What is our heritage? What is our ethnic background? And who are we? And children actually respond to that because it's, they always feel they're the only one. You know, I'm the only kid in school with, with braces. I'm the only kid in school that, you know, can't play volleyball. I'm the only kid that can't. And rather than letting them believe that, let's let them believe that they have nine generations, 2,000 ancestors behind them, rooting them on to succeed. And you've got from now until January 1st to really incorporate that in your family, I don't know, family traditions or in your family discussions. Mm -hmm. So because you got Thanksgiving coming up next month and we all know what a wonderful time Thanksgiving could be. Um, what was my meme that I passed out the other day? Um, bring up your political beliefs and see how Thanksgiving goes. Let me know at Christmas. <laughs> okay. Uh, I have a very dark humor. But this is a time where I think family, people don't look at Halloween as family time. But to me, you got to pick out a costume. I usually end up making the freaking costumes. Then you've got, you know, to celebrate, you got to decorate. So from October 1, until January 1 is nothing more than an entire family time. And family Do you... does not necessarily mean just your blood. It could be your friends. I mean, there are a lot of, you know, people that have been adopted or, or orphans that really don't know. But discuss, like I said, discuss your personal history, your struggles. If and I just kind of feel like this is a family time for the next couple months. And it, and it's an ongoing theme with me because we're going from Halloween and then Thanksgiving is what the 20, whatever, 28th, 27th, something like that of next month. So we're prepping at least two weeks ahead of time. I know because you got to go to the store, you got to buy your turkey, you got to buy all the stuff all that goes stuff. with it. Because before the grocery store is out of the... <laughs> Yes, because of the supply chain issue. Well, not necessarily just, I mean, even before. I mean, before. Yeah, you have never failed. Had... Never failed. You're, you're sitting there preparing your dinner. All of a sudden. <laughs> Mad of nothing. <laughs> now you got to oh, run to the store and find I'm out of vanilla. And, or... Yes. And now you have to go to three different places because, you know, they're, one of them is, you know, two out of the three are out of it. But this is, I kind of feel like, Family time starts October 1st because that's when you start deciding on what you want to do for Halloween and the costumes. And especially if you end up having to make costumes or you're doing, seriously, if you're doing Samhain ritual at your house, you're prepping way ahead of time. I know uh, Angela you, at Compassion yeah. League has already started prepping about three months ago. She's a prepper. So... You know, you've got all that going on. If you don't necessarily do ritual, that that's cool. It, it's whatever floats your boat. But just know that there's a ton of rituals online. Um, this might be the time to 
do a ritual online with your family. Uh, should we mention virtual circle? Uh, that's kind of crass, but what the hell? Yes, we will be doing ours on Samhain at 9 p.m., as we always do. As one um, of the online rituals. <laughs> that is <clears throat> online. Um, there, Selena Fox has an awesome online ritual. Uh, I cannot compare to Selena Fox. I'm, I'm going to bow to her. She's the queen of rituals. Um, and every tradition that I know of has a ritual online. Do you know of any that don't? Uh, there's, there's some that are still closed. I mean, that you strictly only meet in person and don't do rituals online. But If you Google rituals online, you'll find one. Oh, yeah. Because there's a ton of us doing rituals online. I know that um, New York is doing an online Phoenix and Aisha and that group's doing it online. I know Virtual Circle, well, you obviously have it online, but there's a lot of groups that are doing it online. This might be the time to initiate your children into an online ritual. Yeah. If you can't make an uh, in-person ritual, because God knows I'll be traveling to Jacksonville on Saturday to do ritual on Saturday, and then I will be back in St. Pete on Sunday to do ritual on Sunday night. So there are those so of us who... Be careful with your broom. I mean, last time you, you burnt the bristles doing that trip. Yeah, I just don't want it up my, you know, because I have to sit all day at work. Just, just be careful, you know, because, <laughs> you know, it's really hard getting the feathers out of your teeth. The, fe the bugs are the worst. you got to really floss good. Um, but I do recommend that maybe this is a time that you do do an online because an online ritual is when you can stop when you're ready. If you're not ready, then don't. But this is a great time to have your kids around your computer doing an online ritual. And, I mean, hey, that's really cool. Um, I know our tradition, and I'm not going to speak for any other tradition at this point, but the Corellians, we welcome your children at Ritual. We want your children at Ritual. Please bring them to Ritual, um, especially this Ritual. And you know what? If they want to dress up and show up online, I'm going to have you online dressed up the way they are because <laughs> this is their Ritual. This is more, I know it's an adult Ritual, but I think this is more for the kids. And if they want to come dressed up online, then so be it. We will have a full online ritual with, with children in tow. And I hope to see some kids out there. But this is a family time. This is a time where this is our spirituality. This is our path. This is something that you have to decide how you're going to incorporate in your day-to-day -day routine. How are you going to incorporate Samhain and Halloween? You can make it a fight or... You can blend it together and have fun both ways. It's all up to you. So we will have all of those wonderful crafts that Jason came up with on our Facebook page. We will also have um, anything else that you need to know for ritual on that Facebook page, as well as Virtual Circle will carry our ritual. And our ritual on Virtual Circle is from Lord Don's um, Ritual and Theory and Practice, the Samhain ritual and it is already uploaded 
because I made sure it got uploaded early so you can download it with your kids. And if you want to participate, please do so. If you don't like our rituals, there are a ton of rituals. Oh my goodness. I know North Carolina pagan group has one. Um, the South Carolina group has one. The Tennessee group has one. Gosh, there was like so many that came across my feed this morning. I was trying to remember everybody that's doing an online ritual. Just key in online Samhain ritual. And trust me, Selena Fox will come up, obviously. I think even Phaedra Bonowitz is doing a ritual this year. Uh, of course, the Salem rituals are oh, yeah. awesome. The, Sa the Adventures in Salem is awesome to begin with. I mean, the different parades and the different psychics that are there and I'm really thinking about next year celebrating Samhain in Salem because I've never done that. I've never been to Salem. My daughter went and she loved it. And I've been to I, Salem a couple times, but it's been on the off season, not during. I want to go during Samhain. I really do. We're, we're going to have to meet up in Salem during Samhain. Oh my God, would that be, that would be cosmic uh, interference on that one. I, I can just see the Lord's, oh, I can see all the gods and goddesses going, no, no, <laughs> the whole time we're there. But this is a family time and people don't look at Halloween as, or Samhain as being a family time, but Halloween is just as much a family time as Day of the Dead and Samhain. So celebrate it with your kids. Explain what's going on. Have a heart-to-heart -heart with them. I mean, it doesn't hurt. And pick up a, a ritual or two and just initiate them. Because remember, if you don't teach your children, somebody else yeah. will. And I don't think you're going to like what they teach them. So um, our kids are the next generation. I mean, my goodness, I'm looking at the next generation of witches coming in. They're like in their... 30s and 40s and I'm like yeah we need to get you guys in and get you guys going but we also need the following generation and the following generation I mean, our generation my level is starting to weed out very quickly which means grab a crone or a sage while you can and I put that out there for all the young witches that are starting if you know a a crone or a sage, I'm going to tell you to grab a hold and hold on tight. There's a lot you can learn. There's a lot that needs to be learned. But make Samhain as much a family gathering as you do Thanksgiving and Christmas and Yule. Your thoughts? No, you pretty much explained everything on that one. I mean, yes, I think it's perfect family time. I mean, like I said, let your kids dress up, be whatever they want to be. I mean, I mean, if they want to dress like a unicorn, let them dress to be a unicorn. If they, you know, and if that's what they want to continue wearing while you're doing your ritual, you know, let them be, you know, because. Well, let's be honest. I mean, when we call when the quarters. Rituals, we put on our robes. I mean, it's no different. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're making your differentials between the mundane and the magical. When was the last time you saw an undine? A what? An undine. Mm. That's the water creature that mm. we're supposed to call at West when I call dolphins. <laughs> so if your child shows up in a unicorn, it's the same as an undine or a sylph. 
I've never seen either one of those, but I see the unicorn your child is wearing. Yeah. And don't forget that who had the unicorns? Oberon Zell. Yeah. So we're not even going to go there. <laughs> so I really, yeah, remember he had the unicorn goat. I remember them. Barnum and Bailey's Circus. So. He, he raised them. I mean, him yeah. And morning Glory. Morning Glory, yeah. So let's make it a family celebration. I'm I'm really discouraged by parents who who just do the Samhain thing and their kids don't. I mean, do Halloween. Get your butt out there and hand out candy. But at the same time, when that's all done and you shut that down, then come in and honor your ancestors. Let your children know who the ancestors are. Make it a twofold holiday. And you won't go wrong that way because your kids, as they grow older, can decide what they want to do. If they have fond memories of the rituals that you did, they're going to continue on in that path. And anybody who is listening who has never done a Samhain ritual or has never combined Halloween and Samhain together, hey, make this the year that it happens. A lot of places are only doing, what, trunk or treats? Yeah, because of COVID. Right, so that's where, and a lot of places now are just doing like they used to do the Christmas lights, like you drive through for the mm -hmm. Christmas lights. Now you're doing the drive through for the Halloween. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I recommend it. Like, do it. Um, make it a I family mean, if, time. If, you know, because of COVID and things like that, a lot of places decorate. Take, take, take your kids out looking at the different decorations. And, you know, I never thought about that, but yeah. A lot of places decorate for Halloween. It could be a wonderful time with you and your kids, and it's a family time. And as far as I'm concerned, your children do not... Re I, I love the term quality time with my child. It doesn't freaking exist. Any time with your child. is quality time. Exactly. Well, I, I always, always hated the terms, oh, you're babysitting your kid. No. I'm spending, t uh, usually refer to the dad, usually refer to the dad. Oh, you're watching your kid. No, I'm spending time with them. I'm, you know, I'm showing them, you know. It gets me because dads nowadays, a lot of times are the single parent. Mm -hmm. So poor dad is trying to hold everything together. And this could be a time of year, which is really confusing because which way do you go? There are still churches out there that are condemning this because it's a Satanist thing, whatever. But there's also those single parent dads that are pagan. Like, what do I do with my kid? And a lot of traditions, unlike ours, uh, don't allow children in ritual. And they don't allow children to be there. But I guarantee you, if you show up at Virtual Circle with your kid, we're going to celebrate. And don't be surprised um, if your leader is in anything but uniform. Yeah. So, as I'm saying, my cousin sent me this. This is so cute. This is a McNugget. See, even McDonald's does Halloween. So, that means it's okay for the rest of us. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure. I've it's been absolutely awesome. I really appreciate you coming tonight. And again, if anybody has any questions, please put it on our Facebook page or on our website. And all of that information, if you jump on our Facebook page at Tea Time, and it's time, T-H-Y-M-E, 
as in the herb. Check us out. Our Let's see. Today, our word of the day is going to be Samhain. And I don't care how you spell it. As long as it gets on the page, you'll get a, a merchandise from us for free. Make sure that you do go on our Facebook page. And you have to go on our YouTube page to like us. And then go on our Facebook page and we'll be there. So, Jason, thank you so much for joining me this weekend. I, I super appreciate when I can pull all these guest hosts out of the uh, dust and dust them off and say, okay, you're guest host this weekend. And again, thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for coming up and giving us your ideas. So everybody remember it's Samhain, however you spell it, uh, however you say it. And it's Salven because I am Scots. So we say it a little bit differently, Scots Gaelic. So check us out on all of our sites. In America, we call it pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice. Let me tell you, I love my pumpkin spice. Don't go there. Yes, I'm the one that stops at Dunkin' Donuts and gets her pumpkin spice October 1st. So let's see you all next week. Um, next week, we go into November and we start our Thanksgiving and we start uh, a lot of stuff going towards Yule. So tune in to us. Remember, it's Sunday at 3 p.m. We go live. And we'll see you all then. Thank you all for showing up tonight. And we do appreciate you. We'll see you on the next one.